own a pizzeria in America and you're trying to do it like someone else and you're not having fun, it's an insult to everyone else that's working a nine to five cubicle job. What's happening? What's good, though? It's your boy. I drift. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, in case you're wondering. Today we have Mike from Andalini's Pizzeria. Mike runs an empire, in my opinion at least. You'll find out why I say that, but in short, he has a lot on his plate, including multiple restaurants, multiple concepts. He even writes for pizza today. And this year, he came out with a book, Unsliced, How to Stay Whole in the Pizzeria Industry. And let me tell you, it's a great read. He writes very authentically, and you can kind of sense how he talks in the podcast, and it's pretty much the way he writes. And so it's a very easy read. While the book is very relevant to restaurant industries, you can definitely learn a lot and apply it to any business, including your pop-up, your first-year restaurant. It's especially useful if you have a first-year restaurant. I think this is a phenomenal episode, and you're going to love it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And remember to always ask, what's good dough? Just a second here. Remember, please find me on Instagram. I would love to connect with you. And if you have any feedback about the show, good or bad, um, I'd love to hear your thoughts and your feedback. So find me on Instagram at what's good dough. Shoot me a message, slide in my DMs. Oh yeah. And let me know what's good. And if you want to help me grow the show and get this show to a wider audience, please leave a rating on Apple Podcasts, even if that is not your preferred listening platform. Apple Podcasts has a great algorithm and can really get this show to more people through the use of the rating system. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And remember to always ask, what's good, Doe? Mike, thank you so much for being on the show today. How are you? Thanks for having me. First question for you. There's no right or wrong answer. Okay. What's good, Doe? I love the name. (laughs) That's such a good name. What is good, Doe? Is, uh, I I can answer that so many ways, right? If it has a nice natural airiness uh, to the crumb, or if it just tastes good and you're stoked about it, then it's good, right? Absolutely. I like what you said, airiness into the crumb. Um, and maybe we started off by talking pizza first. How has your pizza changed over the last however many years you've been in business? The The first few years were was a crapshoot. And then um, Tony Gimignani, who teaches a school pretty often now, his first school after going and doing this this pizzaiolo certification in, in Italy, he brought by back 
some Italian guys who had, and we had a translator and I learned from them. And that day I was like calling back to my kitchen, like change this, add this, revise this, do this. And that has, you know, we, we make tweaks, but since then we, we haven't changed much. And we, we use the same Oklahoma flour on our base and Alini's dough. And, um, one problem we were running into was that staff would make the, we, we only had so much dough capacity and we'd blow through all our dough by a Friday night. And theoretically we, you know, okay, now make more dough because we need to give, get enough to get through the weekend. And, uh, staff just, you know, and I get it leaving at 1130 or, or, or two thirty. which one is it based on how much dough you're going to make. And so then Saturday's dough wouldn't be like Friday's dough. So we, got to a point where we have a massive walk-in now where we make all of our pizza dough all day so I can cold ferment it for at least 36 hours. And by the time it gets to a restaurant, it's two days old. So we've increased our dough game by doing something like that. But if you're a single unit operator, you have limited refrigeration space, that's not easy to do. You, you could just speed up the fermentation process outside of a fridge. And there's a lot of like, I mean, you talk to guys like Tony or John Arena, or just they'll have a thousand different ways to to go about making this work, but that's what we do currently. Excellent. So you basically took an iterative process, just open-minded, and applied it so that you could have a product that you're satisfied with, which is a pretty long fermented type of dough, and that results into something delicious and on par with what you, with what you want. It's definitely what we want. And I'm not, I'm not such a, uh, so in love with myself that I would say, Oh, well, that's it. And we've been doing the same recipe for 15 years. Like it's not, that's not a goal to me, but I'm happy with it. it. The process is working well. I'm not above changing it though, but it's, I'm loving what we're putting out. And we added Napolitana and we changed flower companies a few times on that. And also Romana and we use Pulselli flour, and I'm really proud and happy to be associated with them. I think they have a really great product. I don't think they're as known, but I, they really make a really dependable product. One thing I was impressed with uh, in, in doing research about you was you said, if you want an incredible product, use incredible ingredients. I've never heard of Oklahoma flour before. Are you sticking true to just being it being your local stuff. It was not done out of some local altruism. It was not that. It was, I tried every flower, then I tried that one. And with our recipe, it was very forgiving. There's really nice protein content. It wasn't designed specifically for pizza making. It is high gluten flour, but so it's a bread flour. And that it, New York like has kind of a, a more of a crispness to it. With, but this one isn't as crisp without being floppy, but a really nice chew and not as far gone as like, you know, a California, and I say that in a, a loose term, you know, a more West Coast style pizza. It was unique. It was just unique. And, and I dug it. And that's why we, we kept using it. And every time I deviated from it, the dough suffered. So that's why I use it. If, if I opened up in New York tomorrow or Canada, I'd still be using this flour. I'm glad you found a flower that not only works for you and it's, it's local to you. So it kind of has that extra fa wow factor. But one thing you mentioned was unique. You 
couldn't hammer the idea any harder about being unique, being you in yes. your book, Unsliced. As someone who is just starting out in the game, who maybe hasn't read your book, who maybe has 13 pizzas a day on a Saturday, how can that person be unique? It's a very good question. And the there's a way to go about it where you you want to be able to play Mary Had a Little Lamb before you aspire to play Eruption by Van Halen. Mm. Don't just try to play Eruption by Van Halen. I'm saying write your own song. Mm. So instead of, okay, well, I got to do this crazy thing over here. I got to have five different flowers and we're going to do integrate with a wheat bread. Just I'll see. Oh, get one right. Get one right first and do it in a way that that encapsulates you and what you dig. If you're going for kitsch or whatever it is, go for it. Don't have it be hidden. Have it be really obvious. Hit the customer over the head with what you are. I think that's a lesson of the, that we still do. If we if I was to open a new concept, I would need to, to not rest on the name Andalini's, which in Tulsa, I could just say Andalini's and people know, oh, that's pizza. When we opened, our name was Andalini's Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant because we had to really say, this is what we do. You know, just like Apple. Apple used to be Apple Computers. Now it's just Apple and Apple. But you you don't have that top of mind awareness. You have to do, did you know? And here's who we are awareness first before you could get to top of mind awareness. And to get to that, I need to understand how are you different than someone else? So if I called my pizzeria, you know, Joey's New York style, there's a lot of other places that have that same name or or some some mix of that name. And if I'm not actually from New York or I'm not really doing a pure authentic New York style, I'm not making a restaurant, just scream New York as opposed to, okay, this is another wannabe New York place and it's okay, but is it even really New York? It's just so hard. And, and also by doing that whole, if you go and say New York style, which is fine, I'm not knocking anyone that does it, but if you do that, you, New Yorkers and, and people from Chicago also inherently are going to be like, yeah, it's not like real New York. Nah, nah, nah. You're just going to, you're automatically walking into an argument of proving yourself to someone's probably less than refined palate or their interpretation of what New York is because New York is so many different things. I mean, there's, there's great Napolitana in New York. You have your Grimaldi style in New York. You have your deck of in New York. So everyone already has a preconceived notion. If you're just walking into this now, or you're a few years deep, I say double down on your dough and your and your quality. Obviously, not just buying the best stuff, which is inherently true, but going after doing it in a very special way that I care about. And then the rest is in the sizzle to the steak. And how how is this sizzle different than everyone else's? And why do I care? Essentially, start slow and put in the work, the building blocks to to be known as this great Andalini's, right? Because it it was just one store. But I want to go a little bit, you know, before that. How did you even get to opening a restaurant? Because you came from a life of service. Is that right? Well, I mean, yes and no. My family is a family of Marines and I went to the Marine Corps 
to officer candidate school, not, not enlisted. I uh, did officer candidate school, which you do in the summers of college. Uh, to be an officer, you have to be you have to have a college degree to be uh, a commissioned officer. And I did all that training, which is all about leadership training, and got done. But it was really arduous and scary and painful because I was 135 pounds by the time I got done. And I went to a hospital where I couldn't feel my face. And instantly, they're like, you have type 1 diabetes, man. I'm like, what have you been doing? You've been comatose at home all summer? And I was like, I just got done with Quantico. So after that, it made opening a restaurant seem not as arduous or it gave me a boost of confidence because I didn't know why when I really had trained hard and focused in, I arrived at Quantico and was running less powerfully than when I first arrived by like the fourth weekend. And everyone's, again, this is not enlisted where they build you up and break you down. You're, you're expected to show up fully built up and ready to rock and you get sent home at any point if you fail. So I, I had done this and I didn't, you know, I just felt like a failure, but because I hadn't killed it like I wanted to, but I had done really well in the leadership testing. It did really well in, um, in my regular testing. And, but then the physical part started to suck at the end and I didn't know why. And then I was validated. Okay. That's why you have a debilitating chronic disease. That you can't do anything about again, not type two diabetes. Like I, I had too much OJ and, and, and Snickers bars, but that my pancreas said goodbye. So at that point, I was that was going to pay for law school. I still went to my first day of law school, said, this isn't for me. And uh, my brother, who's 15 years older than me and had also been a Marine, was vice president of Alamo Rent-A-Car. And their base of operations was moving from Florida to Tulsa. And then I visited for a little bit, saw the opportunity, saw that 10,000 people were moving into this suburb of Owasso between Alamo, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, National Rent-A-Car, Verizon Wireless, Capital One, Honeywell, all these companies moved to Owasso, a suburb of Tulsa in 2004. And then I just got in a car and drove halfway across America and said, let's start a, a company. I had worked restaurants to pay for college, like a lot of people, but I didn't know I was really getting my education in that. And I started at 22, which again, I highly do not suggest anyone does that. Do not start a restaurant at 22. Like, well, he did it. I am an anomaly. I should not have made it. Um, I would say, if you could say, I would rather die than not own a restaurant and I'll die before I let my restaurant fails. And you could say that without it sounding like hyperbole, then yeah, maybe you should do this. But short of that, it was like, well, I don't know. I'll do this for a little bit. I'll feel it out. You know, as long as it doesn't get in the way of my music, then no, don't do this. It's ballsy what you did. But you went full force, and I love what you said. I'm, I'm going to give it my all and, and do this. But I think that ultimately stems down to that innate leadership ability that you had and kind of just taking ownership. For, for someone who is a leader of one or a leader of two, you know, and maybe doesn't have believe in themselves or have the strongest leadership, uh, you kind of talk about mindset in the book. Yes. How do you train, how do you train that? There's certain things that can be trained and certain things that can't. If you if you innately want the ball, you you have the base elements of leadership. And that doesn't mean that you were great at sports. I mean, if you were the kid in the group project at school who always wanted to head up what, what everyone was doing, then that's leadership. Uh, having my dad be a lieutenant colonel in the Marine Corps and my brother and just growing up around people who lead and 
and understand that leadership isn't about being an, an egotistical asset. It's about really caring about the people that are under you and focusing on them so that you could get to a combined goal. Those elements never left me and I realized how much I would tap into it. And so as far as if someone has that base innate feeling on life, then it's, well, how do I get staff to want to do what I want them to do or, or care about this like I care about it? And that's a lot of playing pin the tail on the donkey. You try one thing, verify it works. If it doesn't go back, try again and keep going until you hit it. And then when you do hit it, say, that's the way we do this every single time. Let's go and then move on to the next thing. And that's a lot, a lot, a lot of trial and error. Hell yeah. Trial and error is maybe your middle name uh, because you tried some wild things and I'm like, whoa, this dude just had to just take action and run with it until it either failed or worked. Uh, one of those things was taking one of your employees and going, hanging on door, uh, not, uh, $5, like Andalini dollars. Yeah. I was like, oh, this guy, Ando cash. How do you, how do you evaluate like, okay, maybe this doesn't work. There's a lot of mathematical ways. I mean, just straight up, I need to have a 3% return rate on this. There, so, so, so finite, like real math numbers. If you do a promotion, then it costs you a hundred bucks to do the promotion then you should want to get 500 bucks back for it. And if, if you say that to someone without any context, you're like, well, I spent a hundred bucks on it. So if I have a hundred dollars of pizza orders, you know, five pizzas or whatever purchase, then I'm good. I'm like, no, you're, you're down a hundred. When you start, you sell five pizzas. You, now you're down the food cost and then you're up the sale. You're negative. You didn't even make $1. You, you're still negative. You have to make $500 to, and then the more you're doing, the more you need to have payroll, the more you need to have product, the more you need to have utilities, theoretically. So a good gauge is a three to 500% rate of return on the dollar spent. If I spent $1,000 on door hangers and only 10 people out of, let's say I put out a thousand door hangers at a thousand dollars, which is bad math, but I'm keeping it simple. And 15 people come back in, but those 15 people over the course of the next six months, because I'm so good at what I do come back in and I get somewhere in the realm of 3,500 or $3,000 then it would have paid for itself. But if it's short of that, then it's not. And staff or young entrepreneurs will see, oh, I, I had five people show up today. They're, and they said they saw it because of the promotion. Well, that's good. It's great. But if you want to really have facts to know, did it land? You have to go across it. Now, there's so many other things that could affect that. How many times do they come back? How much did they purchase when they came in? And if you are just giving top of mind awareness, did you give top of mind awareness that they will come back at some point? Like Coca-Cola, they do an ad. It has nothing to do with anything, but it's just saying we exist. And they know as long as they're out there in the world, you seeing that logo that you'll have it subconsciously in your head when you make a decision, as opposed to, let's say, RC Cola. And you're like, well, why, why does Coca-Cola spend all their money on that? They could just, they're Coca-Cola. Everyone knows like, well, if they don't, they'll become RC Cola. And you don't buy RC Cola. You don't see RC Cola because it's not everywhere in your brain. 
great uh, analogy right there. Um, top of mind is something I hear you mention a lot. Uh, ultimately, if you stay top of mind, you know, you could be Coca-Cola, but if your product tastes like, I don't know, a crappy cola or the bottle is hard to open, people aren't going to buy your stuff. And I think in your restaurant, you make sure that they don't only come once because of the top of mind, they come multiple times. And I think that's huge. How do we get people to keep trying our pizza? And I think you've become an expert at that. It's a numbers game for sure, but it's also tapping into emotion and that this is also, it's a respect to the customer, not just, hey, we, we asked for pizza, we gave you pizza, but really empathizing that this person had their disposable income and they're going to take that moment of their week to come to you. Not, I have three meals a day, so I'm going to spend one with you. The customer base, whether it's their health conscious, and this is, if I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat that this one time a week because it's my cheat meal. Or I need, I just want pizza tonight. That's the feeling that you have to admit and that you're the answer to. And here's the, the really crappy thing is there is a sea of people to choose from that are much more convenient than anyone listening to this podcast will ever have. You will not win on convenience. You're just not. Give it up, say bye. You're never going to be the, well, they're right there. It's not what's going to happen. You're If you're a, a high-end pizzeria, you're doing a high-end product, you you cannot compete on that because who who's kicking everyone's ass right now, especially in Oklahoma, is gas stations. Gas station pizza is not bad. And not bad is can't be what anyone says about your pizza because they have not bad as an option or they have to have great. So if you're anything short of great, then you just, you're, well, let's go with not bad tonight. And that's the numbers game. And then when they come in, do they want to come in again? Do you, have you given them reason? Not just the food, the food has to kill it. That's like a, I call it the price of entry. That's your ticket in the door. Food has to kill it. Is the ambiance cool? Not just cool, like you're playing trendy music and you're trying to be more hip than you actually are, but do I dig this? Now, I can dig something if it's authentic. I, everyone can sniff out BS real quick nowadays. If you aren't that, then I don't want to be there. And that's what, I mean, I haven't seen like a honky-tonk pizzeria, and I'm in Oklahoma for what it's worth. I haven't seen a NASCAR pizzeria. I haven't seen... I've seen like a, a pizzeria with a lot of uh, puzzles and stuff. I've seen the, there's a place called the squeeze box in Arkansas that just puts their, their personality out in the front. But again, I want to see you or feel like I'm in something that I feel like that it's unique and different and that it's special and it's not a corporatized bastardized version of itself. And if you could do that 22, 52, you'll get return. What, sorry. What do you mean by 22, 52? If you're 22 years old or 52 years old. Got it. How do you be authentic to yourself when you don't have a restaurant? Like, let's say like I'm making pizzas at home. Someone comes in the door. I've kind of given this some thought, but I want to hear your opinion. Like, how do I be well, authentic the, in my own house? The concept of ambiance is, is let's reevaluate the concept of ambiance. You, right now, you that assumes, okay, this is what the door looks like. This is what the ceiling looks like. This is what the the takeout box looks like, but what is the ambiance of Amazon? Every single product that we ever purchase is product, service, and ambiance. 
with Amazon, the service is that it just comes to your house super quick in a box that you understand and, and from someone that you trust. The ambiance of the website, I know where to go and how to go and what everything is and where the button is and has my saved information. That's ambiance. So social media allows everyone to have an ambiance at this point. I mean, to really be a pizzeria with, if it was almost like there's no name, there's no nothing, there's now that's ambiance. That's the, the culture in the field, kind of like what Secret Pizza did in Vegas in 2009 when they opened at the Cosmopolitan. It was like, did you know there's a pizzeria on the third floor? Like, no, there's not. And no sign, just a hallway with records. That's ambiance. If you're doing it out of your window, it's like, oh, now, now that's the ambiance. See, the guy who gives me pizza out of his window. It's incredible the pop-up pizzerias. I mean, uh, <laughs> necessity being the mother of invention in the COVID world, the people that are just doing pizzas out of their house are lucky the health department is so inundated and has no time to care about anything so trivial right now. But that's the, so what does the flyer look like? What does this Instagram post look like? What's the name of it? Do, do I feel cool because I know about something that someone else doesn't know? And that's the ambiance. Right now it's like, it's like New York secret club ambiance for a pizzeria pop-up. One reason why I really wanted to pick your brain was because you have this crazy chapter on creating a menu. How did you come up with something like that? I, I detail in it the path to a menu process. And, I'm, and it's a glimpse inside my brain of that I still create systems. I still modify my system. And here's my system. And it's like, here it is. It's a long 18-step system, which you'd be like, that's that's way too much. Or you're overthinking. I'm like, I'm really, I want to say I'm overthinking it. But when you forget one of the steps and you're like, come on, how did you forget that? You've done this 16 times. And you're like, okay, I should have had this written somewhere. I'm like, yeah, write it down, dummy. Save it on your computer. You think that it's going to take up less than, a, a you know, the littlest blip of space. And then I go back to it. Or if it was a note on my phone or whatever it is, or... If it's a Google Doc for all my staff to see, then just, hey, whenever we make a pizza and we've done it all, then we need to call the, we need to make a press release to send to, to the news because two years ago, they, they had nothing to do and they bought off on it. We sold an extra $5,000 that weekend. That's now a step in the process. It's so in this process, I'm like, you come up with an idea, great. And then you, you formulate it, then you verify it, Like, hey, you over here, eat this pizza. You don't like you don't mind telling me if it sucks, please tell me what you don't like. Okay, you, 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 great, Tra change it up again. What's the story? What's the price point? Do we have the product? All these things that, you know, we've, we've had a pizza. Everything in there, I've screwed up somehow at some place. We've had a pizza where we, okay, tomorrow we're selling this and staff didn't know about it. Okay, great. God, and you're like killing yourself. Or someone didn't know, the night crew knew about it because they tested it, but the day crew didn't know about it. Or we had we didn't have it we had to go in the POS, but it wasn't on the online menu. And you're like, gosh. So all these little things, if you want to have a seamless rollout at a professional level, if you consider yourself a professional in this business and not a hobbyist, this is a professional rollout. And I I actually thought about the system when I saw that it takes Taco Bell six to nine months to release a product. So from conception to you know, it's like, okay, now we're going to do a video. Now we're going to do a commercial. Now we're going to implement the stories. I'm going to get the product. So everything we're seeing right now was started in March of last year. And that's 
that's execution done well. I'm not saying do the same quality, but anytime we can peel something from the big boys from an execution level, we should. Same thing for the Marine Corps, though. There's the orders of the day, and all these things are so formalized, but and they're expected to memorize them. I'm not expecting any. I'm expecting I don't memorize it. So I write it on a list, have it in a spot where I keep all my updates of what I need to do, and there it is, and I can't screw this up. Yeah, I'm, that's such a huge perspective change. I mean, I want to throw pepperoni and, I don't know, figs on a pizza. I'll probably think about it like two days ago versus Taco Bell six to nine months in advance, right? That is some thought. That is testing it out. That is ensuring a smooth rollout. And I appreciate the fact that you've taken that piece of their playbook and implemented it into your business to show how well of a business person you are. So claps to you for creating that as an 18-step list. Right now it's an 18 steps. And I'm not yeah. in love with adding steps. Like I'm not, if you look at each one of those steps, it's not going to look like, oh, come on, you don't need to do that. I'm like, if you want it to go, if you want to make money on the product and have, give the, if you love the product and you want to give it, it the best shot at success, because when I didn't do these steps, I'd have something I was like, this is awesome. And then no one knew about it. I'm like, how do you not know about it? And it would take me, like at a single store with me, if I make a pizza that's a little bit avant-garde and I take it out to the table and all day, I talk to each table, then yeah, I could probably bypass a lot of these steps. But that takes a lot of effort on me. And when you have multiple units, you can't do that. And if you want to be like you have multiple units, you have to act like it now. If you want to grow, act like it, act like an adult and and have these, these next level you know, thoughts, because I could just come up with something tonight and then it could be a special, but even a special needs to be influenced and talked about. And I could get so much further with a, with a professional photo an Instagram post and a Facebook live than I ever could just telling servers about a new pizza to try and push tonight. Yeah. That's a, it's basically your, um, your experience talking right there. You've pro- I'm sure you've tried just telling servers to just speak about it, but instead you've figured out Facebook Live works for you or Instagram Live and, and trying all these things. The server will, I mean, again, you're trusting a server who hopefully wants to, to have a seat on the bus and do it the right way. But they, they, it's just an uphill battle you're setting them up for because now it's not on the menu. They're now talking to the customer instead of upselling beer. There's more negatives than positives. It's just hard. It's not fine dining where they expect to be told a list of six different specials on the way out the door. You can put it on a chalkboard. You could do all these things. And I'm not saying any of that's wrong. If you want to do that, it's America. It's your pizzeria. Do whatever the hell you want. I'm saying this is what this and the process of it. I'm showing the menu say, don't, you don't have to do it this way. I'm just showing this is how I create a system. And then I evaluate the system and then I say, oh, I screwed something up on the system. Let me add to it and then I can go back to it. If you just have a, something that annoys you, anyone who runs a restaurant should have something that every night they forget to lock the door, something like that. How could I make a system that would ensure that they did the, they lock the door? And I'm like, okay, well, do, can you get an electronic door or can you make sure that they text you at 10 p.m. or a video of them pulling the door if you're not there or something like that? These are stupid, simple ways that you can verify with a very tech-aware 
way that something was done until you could create a habit that turns into a protocol that it gets done the right way every time. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I use Alexa uh, to give me a 30-minute reminder every 30 minutes to stand up straight because I have poor posture. But yeah, small things like that can, small uh, automated systems like that can can prevent headaches. Yes. I get you focused on what you want to be focusing on. I love what you said. You're like, I need to create this systems so that I can run my business, not be in my business. I still want to, and, and I say that in the sense that if it's like, oh, I wish I could, you know, build a new menu, but I got to make dough right now. It's like, you can afford to pay someone. You can afford to show them how to make it. You want to still get in the mix and make dough with them. God bless you. You should do that. You should lead by example. But if you're the, the keystone to every aspect of the job, then you haven't invested anyone and you're making it, there's this fallacy that if I do everything, therefore I'm more hardcore or I'm, I'm a better worker. Like you're just short-sighted. It's an investment. Everything is an investment. What, what is the investment of money? I'm going to part ways with this money so that at some point I have more money come back to me. So I'm going to part ways with this time and show you how to do this with this time. So I no longer have to waste my time with it. So I get the return of my time back in the future. It's funny you mentioned that. I, I just bought my first house uh, this last year and I am fixing up my new studio. I've been doing my podcast in the garage yeah. and I cool. and the fallacy of like, oh, I want to be able to say I did it is, is just, I'm, I'm stubborn. Um, so after completing that myself, I'm going to hire someone to, to change up my garage and kind of add flooring because- you know, if it's your investment, if it's your time, like, what do you value? I value time. And if I, if I say I value time, I got to act like it. And uh, I think the same can be applied for anything in life. Yeah. I, I don't want it to be blindly stated that I say outsource everything because a lot of what I say is learn how to do it yourself the right way first. That way mm -hmm. you can teach someone to do it your way. And that way you can walk away from it and go to the next thing. Uh, I, I, I believe in being hands-on and blue collar, but with a white collar sensibility, hmm. uh, it's, a, you know, even the social media, like know how to do a post. No, we pay them to do our social. Like that's, it's such a asinine statement. Like we, it's, I now have a person who does the emails, who does all, uh, all the different media feeds and then someone who coordinates with news and radio, but I'm directly saying, okay, what are we doing? Who are we hitting? What's the point of this? Let's take ideas and then implementing which day, gathering it all up. I could do it myself, but then here it is, go. And you know, that's a full-time job on social media and himself. Email blast to do a solid email three times a week is about a four to five hour investment in design. I've designed enough and done enough till five in the morning myself that I know, okay, that's not what I'm best suited for. I could grow to another restaurant or I could uh, look at contracts. And, and this is where the white collar stuff comes in. Like I could start talking to everyone that we buy stuff from about getting a better price on it. Or, and then it's investing in staff and just being around them, knowing their name, talking to them about their goals. If you're just plowing through in and out of the place or never ever able to stop, you're not able to do that. So again, all of it is, an, it, I have more investment time 
when I allow myself to have time, pending that that investment time is me investing in what my vision for it to be is, is and it's going down that way. I love that mindset. Know, how, know what needs to be done, know how to do it well so that you can kind of double check and make sure it's getting done correctly. And then boom, get someone to do it so that you can focus your project, uh, your mind onto a different project, onto the white collar stuff and, and grow your business. And that, it seems like a, a proven thing in your life. I mean, you've been able to grow at such a massive rate. I mean, you're at what, five locations plus a gelateria? Is that right? I'm at five locations, two gelaterias, a food truck, two uh, things in a food hall, and then another uh, pizzeria convenience store at the airport. And we have our pizzas at the sold commercially at the grocery store in Tulsa. Like you can't even compete against that. Um, some people in life will never be able to achieve that. What do you, if you had to, could, can you choose one thing to attribute to your success? Just not being in love with anything that we do. Like just asking, I mean, I, the chapter, do I suck? And why? Yes, is a great answer. Like evaluating every day. Does this suck? What am I sucking at this? I probably suck at this. Let's see. Just never being in love with yourself. Cause that's, the complacency of today is the enemy of tomorrow. So if we're in love with it, then we're kind of screwed. Uh, if someone comes in, hey, I tried your place. If that's all they say, I'm like, what was wrong? They're like, no, it's fine. Oh, I hate that word. It was fine. Okay. What? Well, you know, this, okay, great. Let me evaluate it. Dealing with emails, dealing with all stuff. I'm, I'm pretty hands-on. There's probably guys who are, who are more nuclear in their approach and could build up things but it's a little bit less heart um then there's guys who are very very focused and singular and and there's a beauty in that as well my style is i i love restauranting i love pizza but i also have a soul so it's not really a everyone who has a soul has likes pizza i like doing this this thing where we are at people's happy times and we facilitate it and doing it fair by people and creating growth as a result of it, I, I think being cool to people and saying what you will do and then being dependable are big. Talent, super overrated, just crazy overrated. Dependability and follow through better get me so much further. And then having people around me and recognizing, oh, that person was dependable. You're on the team. Let's go. Fuck yeah. That's a very stoic approach to, to business and life. I mean, uh, I just started reading about stoicism. Um, Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. And I'm, I'm reading his book, Ego is the Enemy, where it talks about the downfalls of people who got too high off their own supply and basically just staying, saying, everyone's shit stinks. Yours does too. Fucking work hard, right? <laughs> there's, there's been a lot of like hard times and everything, but whatever was hard, it was like, I don't want to have this again. What, what can we do different next time? I, I say I'm not special. I, I just have, and I'm not like an angry bastard. I just have spiteful energy to keep going. And if I see it working, I'm like, this works, get on board. I think that's it. Like if I can get other people to want to do my stuff because I'm stoked about it, 
And I think that's just passion in general. If you're stoked about something, people want to be a part of it, whatever it is. That's the, the fallacy again is like, well, they won't be, they're not like me. Like they don't need to be like you. If you're stoked, people want to be around passion. And the thought of being cool is being apathetic. There's nothing more that's just painful to be around than apathy. Apathy sucks. Being around someone's like, whatever, it sucks. It just super sucks. Being around someone's like a dork about stuff is fun. You want to be around it. People don't realize it, but they really do. And the Netflix documentary, Hero Dreams of Sushi. If it was Hero casually eats sushi every other Sunday, it would not be a successful documentary. But Hero Dreams of Sushi, and we talks about him waking up at 3 a.m. to choose the rice. I'm like, I want to see that shit. Yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to eat at that place. It's in a subway in, in Japan. Again, ambiance in a reverse way. And that's what, especially anyone who's young, they have the opportunity to have this David versus Goliath advantage to be the, the cool underground thing and then build that level of cool and then at some point market it or or take advantage of it. And that happens with a lot of young upstarts is you just become the coolest thing ever where it's like, oh, but they do this with the dough, they do this and it's super hidden. And then you get it to be on everyone's lips and then without selling out, but really buying in, you then, you know, strike while the iron's hot and, and try and blow it up. And I, that's what we did. Wow. Uh, as you were describing that, I was thinking about just how uh, people are doing that today in their own way, but you were thinking that years ago. <laughs> I wanted to comment about you being dorky uh, because that that kind of stuff is is the authentic self. And I'm never going to forget you uh, running up the steps uh, the same way Rocky did in his movie. And I was just thinking to myself, like, why is this guy doing this? Uh, you running with um, two other pizzeria makers while in Richard and it's uh, Scott Anthony. I didn't even know I posted it. I guess I did post that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just, you're like, that was a huge mistake. And I was just like, you know, I, this guy's just... It's just having fun. Shit. Have fun. I think that's another thing. Like, if you're not having fun, if you own a pizzeria in America, and you're trying to do it like someone else, and you're not having fun, it's an insult to everyone else that's working a nine-to-five cubicle job. And you're the one, you're the person that they dream of being. They'd rather, they, in the back of their mind, they'd rather have less money and do their own thing and then here you are doing your own thing and you're not doing your own thing you're trying to be like someone else to get by it's it's an insult to all the people that aren't living their dreams you're living your dream in a shitty way trying to be like someone else so stop do your dream be your dream and it will click and if it doesn't click spin it and do it another way and keep spinning it and doing it another way and give it enough time to, to land and then you'll see something that does land and, and then run with it I don't care how, I mean, I would, if, if it's money, there's one thing, but something you believe in. I, I reference in the book CBGB, the famous punk rock uh, bar concert venue in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Was a, it's called originally Country Bluegrass and Blues. So the guy who started it wanted to make a bluegrass bar, but then here comes the Ramones and Blondie and Talking Heads playing in there each night and he's just okay i'll run with this this is cool his big hang up was that he didn't want anyone playing covers in his place 
So they're not playing covers and I have a full house. Let's do this. If something happens and it's a welcome accident, run with the welcome accident. That's what my life is. It's a welcome accident. I'm not supposed to be in a, a law firm in San Francisco about or retired from the Marine Corps in a few years. Instead, I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma with the pizzeria. It's like I, I was swinging for, on a par five and the, and the ball curved, hooked, and went to the other hole and landed on the green. And I'm like, well, I'm on the other green. I guess I'll just tap it in here. And that counts. That Somehow that counts. All right, cool. I'll play over here now. Run with it. When I read that, the whole like nine to five, you living your dream, that shit was so powerful. I was just like, fuck, you're right. Like people dream about getting out of their cubicle and, 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 you know, really grasping their life, um, but never choose to do it. And you as a business owner have decided to take life by the horns and, and run with it and at all costs, make it fucking work. But I think what people forget or people like, they, they get so, um, they, they, they turn back to their previous life and call it a failure is because they don't give it enough time. Um, and, and, you know, sure it could happen next year, uh, your, whatever your enterprise is. Um, but sometimes it takes a really long time. Do you, when did you kind of feel like, okay, this, how long did it take for you to feel like, Oh, this is kind of taking off. Seven years. Shit. Like, like it was, we were in Owasso in 2005, January 8th, 2005. So yesterday was our 16 year anniversary. And then um, the first year to two years were really hard and really arduous and really without a path. And then uh, fixed the dough recipe and, and met Tony Gimignani, who, who, who was really uh, a good mentor. But I mean, I wasn't talking to him every day, like, you know, I just saw, okay, this is, this is more of a, a pathway to doing it. And then went to Pizza Expo and really just absorbed and pulled in every single thing I could and then bought the, the, all the, the seminars on CD back then and, and listened to them all. Not, I, again, I really listened to all of them and was writing notes, did a bunch of the stuff. Some of it worked, some of it didn't. Learned my lessons, and then we got more and more popular in Owasso. But Owasso is a suburb of Tulsa. It's 15 minutes north, so you got to kind of go purely to Owasso to get to. You're not like you don't accidentally land in this town. You have to go through 15 miles of nothing to get to this town. So no one who didn't live in that town went there. And as a result, people who were from Tulsa were like, "You should check out my place." I'm like, "I'm not Owasso. I'm not going there." So, and in that time, but Owasso had this influx of all these other things. So. We had 40 restaurants open in that time and around 37 closed. And I survived that by changing all the time and learning how to pivot at any moment. And, you know, oh, there's a lot of people who want buffet style. Okay, I'll do a pizza unlimited thing. and I'll do salad unlimited. And we'll probably take a loss on it, but I need to get people in the door. And we'll do endo cash. And I'll send a letter by myself, from myself to every town resident in this town. I just... It was like a five-year boot camp. By the time I had to, we went to Cherry Street or the heart of Tulsa for our second location. We got to build it out exactly as we wanted to, do everything we wanted it to look like and have it be. And it hit super hard. And a lot of people think that that's our first store. People say, oh, I, because no one would go to Owasso. I mean, we've been around for six years and then we hit in Tulsa and uh, I was named Tulsa's restaurateur of the year. 
six months after opening Andalini's on Cherry Street in the heart of Tulsa. Meanwhile, I've been doing it for you know six years at that point. And then since then, it was just, okay, we were not figured out by any means. We really, really, really evolved and changed and developed and became a big boy company because we weren't at that point. And all these systems and all this adult stuff that might seem I don't, I really go out of my way to say, this is not corporatized bullshit. This is stuff that will make your life better. That will get you to your goals. Listen to it if you want, or don't. I'm not saying have an 18 step menu process that that's not for you. I'm saying have a process. Say for anything you do, that's worth your time or effort, systemize it or else you're going to screw yourself and you're going to spin your wheels and getting more and more of those things. And now opening, we have a network in Tulsa akin to a national network like if pizza opens a new pizza they okay we're going to route our trucks from tennessee and we'll send our designers down there well i don't have national stuff but i have tulsa stuff so i have my sign guy here i have my electrician i have my um all the things that you would need to up and do a store and i could have a, a big ass walk-in to do the dough as if i had a distribution center to send dough albeit in that situation, it would be shitty and super old. I could do it perfect. And I have this, the benefit of being like the one store advantage of still being small, but like a big store advantage of, of having ops. And I'm in this really perfect sweet spot and we're just maximizing it. We opened a fine dining restaurant last year and I'm able to make fresh pasta and have a gorgeous full kitchen to do it in and then take it across the street to the fine dining restaurant where they have no space but and then execute and have a gorgeous italian dinner each night with only fresh pasta and fresh fish and fresh uh recipes made in a very you know mediterranean sort of way you just leveraged lesson after lesson after lesson and didn't take any step uh, for granted and you were able to build, I mean, would you call it an empire? I would not call it an empire because that would make me a douchebag. <laughs> My pizza empire doth thou kneel. No, I would not call it that. You can, that's great. And I'll accept the compliment, but no, I do not. Again, it's like, I wrote a book. You know, here's something telling anyone listening to this podcast. If you listen to this podcast, you are in the pizza industry. I only staff that know me well know that I wrote a book because it would seem the most antithetical thing for me to say, hey, everyone, look at this. This is the thing that I did. It's not my style. If they stumble upon it, great. And a lot of staff have, but it's not for them. To, it's not, hey, come look at me. I despise whenever I go to Hobby Lobby and they're selling their book at the counter. I just don't like it. I just don't like that that type of braggadocio-ness. It's, I went to a high school where we won every single award that you could win, whether it was academic decathlon to state in wrestling, state in basketball, and the national award for football. And almost no one wore a varsity jacket. It was put your head down, work your ass off, and don't talk about it. Let the work speak for itself. Very cool. Very good mindset. Great way to just live life in general. And if if great things come out of it, that's the icing on top of the cake. That would 
be the hope. Yes. Uh, one more question for you uh, before we say our goodbyes. What's one mistake people can avoid in the pizza business? Oh, sheesh. It's a lot of mistakes people can avoid. I think from a... I, we've said a lot of them, but when you open a pizzeria, every person that comes to me talking about, oh, I'm going to open a pizzeria. I know the equipment I need. I know the location. And we got the money to open it. Like, you don't have the money to open it. You got to triple that figure, at least double it. Because you're not thinking about, oh, I need to buy door handles and I need to buy towels and and then you're opening food order and all this other stuff. And then I need to you need to hire maybe double or even triple the staff that you need because a lot of them aren't going to work out. That's what people don't think of. And then they burn their money and they're, they're, they're SOL. Uh, they, or they're so in love with the original concept that they never let it change. And again, the CBGB thing, be able to change, change it, whatever it is, change it run with what's working and hopefully put some of your style points on it when you do it to uh don't take things personally and do right by people we go like let's say someone really screws us over we really go out of our way to to never burn a bridge i don't believe in it i think it's really short-sighted and i see that there was there was an anger in the pizza industry 20 years ago and it started to die off around 10 years ago and the pizza industry now is with a lot of people that are like hey let me help you out okay let's do this let's let's very communal much more communal you can't compare it to the burger community because there is none the pizza community is a tight-knit community and the people are like hey hey don't look at my door recipe hey hey get away like those guys are dying they're dying out or at least their mentality is and i go out of my way to never be like that and i think more the more good you do, the more you want to give out and be a part of this scene, the more it's going to give back to you. What a beautiful way to end right there. I don't do the whole like, where can people find you thing? Because I think it's pretty obvious. But I do want to say I am so, so impressed with everything. I hope to continue to learn from you. So keep posting, keep sharing. Dude, you're, 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 Awesome, man. <laughs> a speechless. Thank you for being on the show today. Well, thank you. Very kind of you. Have the rest of your day. Mike, thank you so, so much for being on the show today. You were such a pleasure to talk to you. I mean, it, you have so much knowledge, and I'm so lucky for you to be able to share it with me and, and all of the listeners. To you, the listener, what'd you think? I mean, come on, this dude knows a lot of things. And we didn't even touch on, we left a lot of topics untouched, unsliced from the book. So make sure, check out that book, Unsliced, How to Stay Whole in the Pizzeria Industry, and go get it on Amazon. I've linked it in the show notes along with Mike's social accounts. Please give him a follow and say, Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for all of you listening. I appreciate you. I appreciate you if you already left a rating. Shout out to my boy Mike from Pizza in the Sack for leaving one on Apple Podcasts, even though he listens on Spotify. Oh, yeah. Other than that, have a great day. Till next time. Peace.